Please send me 19 million euros in monies. It's Friday, November 16th, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Paul Peters, master student in civil engineering and technical university internet malfunction victim. And with me today is Molly Quell, contributing editor at Dutch News and racist cocktail workshop attender. Our third regular host, Gordon Derrick, isn't here today because he's currently busy turning the 525-page Brexit deal document into an audiobook. That's an excellent title for Gordon. Good job. Yeah, yeah thank you. Good work. So, um, Molly, uh, you, you went to a cocktail workshop. What happened there? I went on a team outing uh, with a group of people I work with. and we. That had, sounds like a cult thing. It is kind of a cult thing. And we, um, we went to a cocktail workshop. And the guy organizing the cocktail workshop was, I feel pretty confident in saying, after spending 45 minutes with him, a garbage human being. (laughs) But he managed during the duration of this cocktail workshop to insult uh, Cuban people and claim that they have no water. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but the nation of Cuba isn't. Is an island. It's an island, yeah. They have plenty of water. <laughs> plenty it's, of water. And he, he probably said they don't have water, so that's why they drink, they drink so rum. Much, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he claimed that uh, he called all Indian people Bollywood people and claimed that they don't drink alcohol, which as someone who's lived in India can tell you that's blatantly untrue. <laughs> um, and also he managed to insult Belgians so much that the Dutch were actually defending him, <laughs> them, d- defending the Belgians, wow. Wow. which you know that things have gotten really bad. Yeah, when, yeah. when the Dutch start to defend uh, the Belgians. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was... Uh, it was an interesting uh, cocktail experience. Yes, I see. And you are uh, you were also fell victim to the uh, Delft Institute at Delft University of Technology's inability to keep the internet <laughs> up and functioning. Yeah, yeah. You you work at the university as well. I, I studied there, so we were both victims actually. Yeah, I I think it was Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday. Yeah, I came to the university and I had three tasks. One of them was to print a lot of documents. Two was to um, uh, watch a a recorded uh, uh, lecture. Uh, on the internet and th- and three get some coffee with someone all of them i couldn't do because of the internet malfunction yes. because apparently well it's logical that you cannot do something on the internet because sure, the internet is the printing system also uh is connected to the internet yeah and even the coffee machines, coffee machines are also connected yeah. to the internet yeah. so basically and also there were some some doors that couldn't yeah, be opened. there was lights and doors in the building that i was in that couldn't be opened yeah so basically everything on the university runs on the internet and well the internet didn't work so the university no. didn't, didn't work the uh my my lovely boyfriend is now teaching a course at the university it's like part of an exchange with his job and wednesday was his first day of teaching and he couldn't get his slides he couldn't get it was a disaster it was yeah. such a mess yeah. he had to write uh, on a blackboard. <laughs> he came back upstairs afterwards and he was just totally covered in chalk dust. It was very yeah, funny. He started crying. Yeah. yeah. There were good ophefs this week, though. Tell us about the ophef. Oh, the ophef I uh, selected is involves Jerry Baudet. Oh, our because, favorite ophefer. Yes, because last Sunday it was, of course, 100 years ago that the First World War had ended. And uh, this was commemorated all across Europe by world leaders, including Mark Rutte in Paris. And even though the conflict had cost 40 million deaths, Thierry Baudet thought uh, he could tweet on Armistice Day that, quote, 
After World War I, the real European self-destruction had yet to start. We saw 100 years of cultural, demographic and geostrategic suicide, but now there's finally a generation standing up that wants to revitalize civilization." End quote. This tweet... <laughs> Thank you, Truby. That's <laughs> Thank also you. what yeah, we yeah. feel about it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, the tweet yeah, did make any sense and was heavily criticized by historians, journalists, politicians and many others. Us. Us, Truby. Uh, the editor-in-chief of NSC Handelsblad, Peter van der Meers, responded that uh, Baudet had missed an opportunity today to hold his tongue. Um, writer Jan Kuitenbrouwer responded that someone who uh, would abuse the commemoration of World War One for xenophobic propaganda should be ashamed of himself, and the list could go on and yeah. on because there were. What I find interesting about this, I mean, aside from the fact that it's complete and total rubbish, is that he's claiming that basically since the end of World War One, the Islamicification of Europe has just destroyed capitalism, basically, except that. I don't even think you could make that argument. I mean, most immigrants from, you know, uh, Muslim countries in the Netherlands, say, didn't start, that wave of immigration didn't start till the 60s and 70s. So at best, it's like 50 years. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, he already defended himself saying that he wasn't talking about um, the mass immigration, uh, which he doesn't specifically mention in a tweet. But I mean, everybody, yeah, everybody understands that that's basically what he meant. I mean, the other thing he could be talking about, I guess, is the rise of women having power and being able to just make the decision to not have sex with him, which I suspect <laughs> he's disappointed in. Maybe he should change his age 20 years. You know, maybe if he did that, then he would be the appropriate age for his uh, current uh, lady friend. <laughs> and the appropriate age for tweeting this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. As we, we mentioned uh, Emil Ratelband last yes. week, and he made an appearance on the BBC and yes. on all sorts I, of international media. So it was an Ophef that... Uh, it just kept Ophefing. Yeah, that kept Ophefing. It just doesn't give up. No, no. Emil Ratelband is a... Uh, an intri- Life is a rich tapestry, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This week we update you on what the Brexit agreement will mean for Brits in the Netherlands, how the Dutch branch of the Pathé Cinemas was the victim of an internet scheme, and how the EU forbids us of copywriting taste. In our discussion we talk about how mayors in the Netherlands are appointed, and what D66-leader leader Rob Jette wants to change about this. News that the British cabinet has agreed to support Wednesday's agreement on British withdrawal from the EU has been welcomed by Dutch Foreign Affairs Minister Stef Bloch as a good step. The Netherlands and the other 27 member states will study the concept text, including the political declaration, very carefully, Bloch said. The deal demands close examination and the Dutch government will look at the documents from the perspective of Dutch interests and extra attention will be paid to agreements on the level playing field and fishing, the foreign minister added. Agreement on the deal, which still has to be approved by European leaders, the European Parliament and the British Parliament, has led to sharply divided reactions in both the Netherlands and Britain, to put it mildly. You were enjoying watching the debate in Parliament about this, weren't you, Paul? Yeah, I was. I, I Actually, I was enjoying watching everything about this because it, it has been a crazy rollercoaster the past uh, the past days. It's like watching um, like WhatsApp group drama that you're not actually involved in. No, but, um, you, but you can still watch it, yeah. even though you're not a part of it. Yeah, And that might destroy the economy and stuff. <laughs> yeah, minor yeah, detail. Yeah, yeah, minor detail, yeah. So, I, I was really surprised to... I mean, on Wednesday, I, I believe the deal uh, came out or it was announced that they had reached a deal and 
immediately everybody had an opinion about it, even yeah. though nobody has even read the deal. And I believe it was only the Swedish government that said, we will wait until we, uh, we have read the deal. Uh, and otherwise, everybody had immediately an opinion about it. Maybe we should move to Sweden. They seem to be more reasonable there. It's very cold there. It's even colder than, than it is here now. Yeah, but they have reindeer. That's true. It's, it's very delicious. It is. Yeah. And they're very cute. Yeah. Uh, no, I was listening to Marketplace. Uh, the It's a, an American news podcast. And they, they had a British reporter on who was going, uh, you know, is this deal going to pass Parliament? We don't know. Will it pass the European Parliament? We don't know. And the guy, the host, was like, well, this is a refreshing outlook. And the guy was like... We just yeah, don't know. That's basically yeah. That's yeah. basically it. We don't know about anything. Yeah. yeah. So what will this deal mean for British people living in the Netherlands? Well, there are many of them. There are many of them. There are, uh, I believe, eighty-seven thousand people, uh, British people, living in the Netherlands uh, currently. Um, yeah, but if the deal gets accepted, and that's still a big if, because yeah, the developments are so. No. We, we've seen so many. As we are recording this podcast now. Probably five other ministers, ministers have, have resigned quit, yeah. or have quit or have, have stabbed uh, Theresa May in the back. Right. We don't know. But if it gets accepted, uh, then this uh, Brexit withdrawal agreement does not appear to contain any improved rights for British nationals living in the Netherlands and the rest of the EU. The parts of the withdrawal agreement on citizens' rights were agreed in March and have not changed substantially since then. Uh, this means that uh, British nationals um, will be able to stay, work and use the healthcare services in the Netherlands, but they will lose their right to move to other uh, EU countries at will. Um, this agreement, if it goes through, again, if it goes through, uh, means that all British citizens living in the Netherlands by the end of December 2020, that's the end of the transition period, will continue to be entitled to live here. That's what um, immigration lawyer Jeremy Bierbach of Franse Advocaten told uh, Dutch News. Uh, and as uh, I said, currently 87,000 uh, British people are living in the Netherlands, um, according to uh, CBS. And Steph Bloch said last month that uh, the Netherlands will ensure a decent solution for British citizens in the Netherlands if there is a no-deal Brexit, which is still one of the uh, possibilities. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I suspect that they'll come up with something, but I understand why, if you are a British person, it seems real terrifying that you might just lose the right to live in a place where you are working and living and your kids are in schools and stuff. In other stressful immigration-related news, no one will be able to take the Dutch language exam until early 2019 because so many parts of the papers have ended up online, according to Education Minister Ingrid van Engelshove. The last Staatsexamen Nederlands als Tweede Taal, or the NT2 exams, uh, for 2018 was taken this week, but some 4,000 people scheduled to take the exams between now and the end of the year will have to wait until 2019 when new tests will be created. This comes after a similar delay was imposed for the Embarchering Examen, which requires a lower level of Dutch, after it was discovered that portions of the exams were being shared in online forums. Uh, it's not the only news out of the immigration ministry this week, is it? No. The Volkskrant reported on Tuesday that the Dutch Immigration Services has paid refugees more than 1 million euros in compensation over the past year because officials took too long to make decisions. The final total could be higher because thousands of claims still have yet to be assessed. It now takes almost a year for an asylum seeker to hear if they can stay in the Netherlands, but the legal limit is just six months. Yeah, that's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. it's a huge problem. And uh, they're, they're paying for it, quite literally. The Dutch operation of the Pathé Cinema Group were ripped off by internet scammers for over 19 million euros. On March 8th, the imposters emailed the Dutch CEO and CFO of the Dutch Pathé, claiming to be directors of the International Pathé Group, 
In the emails, they wrote that Pate was involved in a secret takeover in Dubai and needed a confidential payment of 826,000 euros. The Dutch directors were initially skeptical, but on March 9th, a new email was received, confirming the fake takeover and containing an invoice for the money to be transferred to a bank account in Dubai, after which the Dutch transferred the money. On March 13th, a second payment request of almost 2.5 million euros to the same bank account was received, followed by a third and a fourth. By March 27th, Pathé Nederland had paid over a total of 19 million euros. A day later, questions began coming in from the Pathé headquarters in Paris, and it was immediately clear that the CFO and CEO had been victims of internet fraud, and both were suspended and later fired. One of them decided to fight his sacking in court, hence the detailed information of the fraud in the media. There was no indication that either the CEO or the CFO were involved in the scam. How do you transfer this much money without like picking up the phone and calling someone? Yeah. It yeah. just seems insane to me. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, what I expect is that these Dutch CEOs and CFOs um, don't speak French, and they didn't want to talk to their French Yeah, but don't you have, like, a kid that's in taking French lessons in school or something? <laughs> you can just I'm... ask him to translate whatever. If you so... can transfer 25 million euros at a company, you can afford to hire a translator, that's for true. the love of God. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's insane that this uh, even happened, but C- CEO fraud is apparently It's a apparently thing. a thing. And uh, it happens quite often. Yeah, yeah, and it's very embarrassing, so we don't usually hear about it unless you have this situation where they sue about their sacking in yeah, court. Yeah, because it is very, very, very... It's extremely very embarrassing. embarrassing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And because Dutch companies are just paying all their money in uh, internet scams, the Dutch economy grew just 0.2% <laughs> in the third quarter of 2018, the National Statistics Office, CBS, said this week. That's the lowest quarterly rise in the past two years. Uh, the drop is not due to internet scamming, but largely due to the downturn in the construction sector and lower investments in new homes and infrastructure. The building sector has shown considerable growth since the end of the economic crisis. It's now settling down to normal levels, according to CBF chief economist Peter Hein von Mulligan. Yeah, and uh, it also came out this week that uh, the German economy um, stopped growing. It uh, shrank a bit in yeah. the past uh, quarter or the, whichever yeah. period they are talking about. And uh, yeah, the Dutch economy has a tendency to follow the German economy, but just a quarter or two uh, later. So yeah, we can expect a, a, a small downfall in the, in the economy uh, in the coming quarters. But what are people uh, spending their money on? Though? Wine, whiskey, and iPhones, apparently. Right. Consumer spending growth, by contrast, has risen for the 18th quarter in a row. Consumers are buying more electronic goods, uh, but they're also spending more money in bars and restaurants, uh, according to Von Mulligan. Uh, the rise in horka spending is attributed to the good weather. So, oh, really? Yeah, so people go outside, they sit more on terraces, they enjoy the sunshine, and they spend more on beer and bitterbala. Who says global warming is a bad thing? T- I've been arguing that it is an excellent thing. It's going to kill us all anyway. We might as well go out and sit in the sunshine and enjoy a beer while we're at it. I, I fully agree, yeah. And it helps the economy. And it helps the economy. Yeah. Which, in turn, helps... Uh, uh, Fuel global warming. <laughs> more global warming. Exactly. And yeah, it's a... It, we're ongoing... just trying to accelerate the process, I yeah, think. Yeah, of us dying. Yeah, yeah, we should just... We want to just die faster. Like, yeah. slowly and painfully is not the way to go. No. Max Verstappen has been ordered to carry out two days community service by the FIA as punishment for lashing out Esteban Ocon at the end of the weekend Brazilian Grand Prix, where Max Verstappen finished second. The Dutchman was leading the race on lap 44 when Ocon, who had been lapped, clipped the back of his Red Bull car while trying to overtake and sent him spinning off the track, allowing Lewis Hamilton to slip between them. 
The stopper raised his middle finger as he passed the Force India driver and vented his frustration in an outburst on the radio, before confronting Ocon on the paddock. After an exchange of words, Verstappen pushed the Frenchman several times in the chest, knocking him off balance. Despite the damage to his car, Verstappen was able to carry on and finish second. Ocon was given a 10 second race penalty for causing the collision, and after reviewing the incident, race stewards ordered the 21 year old to perform two days of public service at the direction of the FIA within six months. It caused a little bit of opev. It caused some opev. I mean, he's being a twat. Stop being a twat, Max yeah, Verstappen. Yeah, yeah. But um, it caused a lot of opev because some people thought it was understandable that he reacted this way because he was just about to win the race. I mean, if he was, if he had just given the guy the finger, I think that that's yeah, probably fine. It would, it's enough. the shoving part that I that bothers me. Yeah, just uh, don't touch other people. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, and also, I mean, the middle finger, I think, is a bit of an outburst in the moment. And but like, you know, he's now gotten out of the car and stuff. I mean, you've had a few minutes to compose yourself, like yeah. learn some self-control. Yeah, I, think. I agree. Yeah. But I hear, uh, as always, the women are uh, infinitely better than the men. And uh, in particular with the uh, with regards to football this week. That's true. A uh, 1-1 away draw against Switzerland on Tuesday night put the Dutch women's football team into the next year's World Cup competition in France. A lot of France this, uh, this well, podcast. This, we're going to have to call this the French podcast. Yeah, I think. I think so, yeah. Oranje, reigning European champions, won the first leg at home. 3-0 and had uh, seemed sure of a place until Anouk Decker was sent off early in the game. Viviane Miedema put Oranje ahead in the second half, with Switzerland equalizing shortly afterwards, but it was enough for Oranje to ensure a ticket to the World Cup in France. I am very happy with this, coach Serena Wiegman said after the game. This is what we did it all for. We want to be among the best in the world on a structural basis and are really looking forward to the experience, which is certain. I appreciate the Dutchness of saying we want to be among the best in the world on a structural basis instead of just being like, <laughs> we want to be number one, fuck you, which yeah. is what an American coach yeah. would say. America first, that's what the American would say. Exactly. The Netherlands earlier beat Denmark in the playoffs and now take Europe's last berth in next year's championship alongside France. There it is again. <laughs> alongside France, England, Germany, Norway, Italy, Scotland, Spain and also Sweden. And will you be cheering for the Lionesses? Of course. Yeah. I'm not sure who I'm going to cheer for. Maybe I'll just cheer for Spain, Sweden for, for having a responsible reaction to the Brexit <laughs> deal. <laughs> yeah, I think the, the, the French will need some, some support as well Probably. after this. Very devastating and humiliating blow with the uh, pate thing. It, well, it wasn't the French that did it; it was the idiot Dutch. Yeah, but it is a French company, so it also. Uh, I know, but I think the, the French. French are just gonna complain about how well, terrible was, the Dutch are. Yeah, I think the French hired these these, uh, oh, these yeah. people, so yeah. It does kind of reflect badly yeah, on them. Yeah, then. Yeah. The taste of food cannot be copyrighted. The European Court of Justice has ruled in a dispute which centers on, of course, Dutch cheese. <laughs> The dispute is between the makers of Hexenkaas, or witch's cheese, and Vitevivenkaas, or white wise woman's cheese, wise no, ghost cheese. No, How do you yeah. translate that? Vitevivenkaas, uh, it's it's like a, um, a local saga from, I, th I believe it is Friesland, but I'm not entirely sure. It's like a, a ghost, yeah, a female ghost. A female thing. ghost yeah. cheese, sure. <laughs> Both of which are spreadable cream cheeses with herbs. Uh, Hexenkaas first came on the market in 2007, was then owned by food group Lavoa. Uh, in 2014, Frisian company Smilda, who is naming these companies? Frisians. Yeah, clearly. Began producing the Vita Vivenkas, and Lvova went to court, arguing that the new product was too similar to the Hexenkas. 
kind of like the word hexenkass. It's yeah. a good word. Yeah. Have you ever tried it? No, I don't think so. Uh, I tr- uh, my sister really loves it, but I don't really like it. Oh, no. I'm gonna, all right, I'll have to try it. The Dutch court then referred the case to the European court and Luxembourg for its opinion. In that ruling published this week, judges say that in order to be protected by copyright under European directives, the taste of a food product must be capable of being classified as, quote, work. To be classified as, quote, work, the subject matter should be an original intellectual creation, the court said. In the case of food, however, the taste, quote, cannot be identified with precision and objectivity, and that, quote, the taste of a food product will be identified essentially on the basis of taste sensations and experiences, which are subjective and variable, end quote. Okay, just just imagine that you are <laughs> the highest court in the European Union, and you get a case on your desk about Hexenkaas and Wittewiefekaas. Do you think it evolves for the judge also to, to taste both products? I hope so. That would have at least made this interesting. Could you imagine going to... I'm sure that these judges went to the fanciest universities. They probably went to fancy boarding schools, fancy universities, fancy law schools, spent years training with, like, other fancy judges, and this is what comes across their desk. Can you copyright the taste of cream cheese with herbs? Yes. Dutch Dutch cream cheese cheese with herbs. With herbs, With ridiculous names that you probably had to spell correctly. Yeah, yeah. The cost has an apostrophe in the middle of the word. (laughs) It's, it's yeah, but terrible. mac and cheese has that as well. Yeah, but that's a brand name at least. Hexacast oh, is, this is also, also a brand, a brand name. Yeah. yeah, yeah, but mac and cheese is. Yeah, okay. It's it's like it's, it's a, like th- it's, it's like an abbreviation. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Yeah. It's not a single word. Uh, maybe it's no, a single word. No. Yeah, anyway, but, it's but, a weird word. But but I don't have any other comments on this. No, me either. No. I'm gonna try some of the cheese, maybe though. I'm gonna see see what it's all about. Let's do that. We'll be discussing how mayors in the Netherlands are appointed and what D66 leader Rob Jette is proposing to change this after this word from our sponsor. Are you lacking clarity about your life or career? Do you need help setting and reaching your goals? Did you consider getting a coach? Coach.net is bringing the help of professional coaches to you like never before. That's K-O-A-C-H dot net. Whether you are looking for a life or a career or a health or a leadership coach, Now you can find and book an accredited and experienced coach directly and easily. And all of our coaches offer a free session, so you can meet the coach and discuss your needs directly and privately. Start the change. Book a free session with a coach of your choice today at coach.net. That's K-O-A-C-H dot net. This week, D66 leader Rob Jette defended a law proposal to scrap the appointment of mayors by the king in the Eerste Kamer. Because this is a change of the constitution, a two-third majority is needed in both houses of parliament. The Tweede Kamer already agreed with the proposal, so now it's the turn of the Senate. Will Rob Jette succeed in changing the constitution or not? And what will happen next to the process of appointing mayors in Netherlands? And will mayors finally be elected, as D66 wants, since the start of the party in 1960? I don't think I realized until just now that until just now that they're called Dacesasestic because they were founded in 1966. Yeah, it's crazy, right? How yeah. these uh, things work. So, Paul, how how does a city get a mayor as mayors are not elected? 
Yeah. Well, in uh, contrast with other countries around us, uh, for, for example, France and uh, like all Belgium and all the other countries Pretty in the much world, all of the countries. Yes, uh, the Netherlands do not have directly elected mayors, as you said. Instead, mayors are officially appointed by the king, and technically he can pick whomever he wants. So if he wants Emile Ratelband to be the new mayor of, of Amsterdam, he can just... Oh, come on, pick. how amazing would that be? Well, he, he technically cannot choose whoever he wants, because the interior minister and therefore the cabinet has to agree with the choice. Over time, a selection process process has been developed which is also part of the gemeentewet so it's officially law but it's not constitutional right um and whenever a new mayor is needed the city council uh, together with the commissaris van de koning which is the governor of a province yes. was uh, yeah. for the lack of a better word but the one who is in charge of the of the of the province they write down uh, a list of criteria the new mayor has to meet Everybody who uh, feels that they meet these criteria can apply for the job. Um, it's only required by law to be uh, of Dutch nationality. That's discrimination. Is it? Do you want to be a mayor? No. no especially not after uh, what it was our discussion two weeks ago about how they keep getting like taken out of the country in the middle of the night because um, random mo- motorcycle gangs yeah, are threatening them. They have to hide in, yeah. uh, in Crete or something. Yeah. yeah. A commission of confidence, uh, which is again... For a strange l- word. A strange but... word, but for the... Li- lack of a better word, is formed by city councillor and they will look and judge at all the applications and eventually will determine who is the best candidate. After that, they will recommend this person to um, the interior minister and the king. And if the cabinet approves, um, the king will appoint this person as mayor of municipality. But this is a somewhat new-ish system, right? Because it used to sort of be more of a like internal party politics situation yeah in the past it was basically yeah some sort of party politics yeah. and uh, this person needs a job and so we can give it to him and that's also one of the critiques of for example uh harry is again Thierry baudet our favorite um he's always talking about the bandjes carousel right when a politician yeah. needs a job then his friends in politics and in charge they will just give it to him but now with this process that cannot be the case anymore more or less because well it there, there is a city council that is formed by all political parties so right. yeah they they just choose who, whomever is the best candidate among them there's also uh, other um, critique the mayor is not directly elected for, for example um, this process is just a simple law it's not part of the constitution so yeah should this should such an important thing as electing a mayor shouldn't that be just part of the constitution for example and also the process is done in complete secrecy so after we we don't even know who applied for the job we don't know what the criteria well we know what the criteria are because that's published but yeah we 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 don't really know why they're chosen why they're chosen yeah Yeah. so there's also a transparency problem here what is rob yetta proposing like what's what are the changes that he, that are on offer here? His law proposal is that he wants to scrap that the king appoints the mayors because the okay, king the... is not a elected person, so he shouldn't have a saying in um, the appointment of a mayor. But is that like not just kind of window dressing? Because in much in the same way, right, that the king has to sign, put his signature on all laws, and could, in theory. Uh, refuse to sign a law. Yeah, exactly. He yeah. will just appoint whomever is put put in front of him. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he doesn't like it's re- purely ceremonial. Yeah. I mean, I guess it seems like an odd ceremony, but I mean, it, it it's a formality. The proposal here does not change like any of this other process. There would still like be a commission, and the commission will put together, and they would put that forward, and it would have to be approved by the cabinet. Which, it, right? which is, I think, a pretty good system. It works pretty well. I never had a mayor which I didn't agree with, or I really, really, really didn't want to want to have. So. 
you know what I think is interesting is I thought that this was a ridiculous system and I think raged against it for a very long time until I wrote an article about um, the changes in the marijuana growing laws and I had to interview a bunch of mayors including the mayor of Breda and he was saying that the only reason that this got changed is because mayors had pushed for the changes because they were seeing the damage that was being done to communities by the these sort of organized criminals who were growing marijuana but their mayors aren't seen as like political entities so that it wasn't really a thing where it was like became a left or right like political issue it was just like well this is a thing that needs to change and so then i became more interested in this idea that like maybe this is a, actually not a bad way to go yeah mayors seen themselves and i think also the the public generally uh, sees mayors as impartial impartial and, and apolitical and apolitical yeah, yeah. but what it's really, I think, the uh, motivation of, of Ropieta to, to go through with this is because they assessed as crown jewels. When the party was founded in 1966, the party had set a number of key goals they want to, wanted to accomplish. None of them has been accomplished right. yet. But one of these, um, yeah, they called it the crown jewels. Uh, and uh, There's three, right? Electing the prime minister directly, electing mayors directly, and being able to have binding referendums. Yeah, yeah there are more of them, but these are the most important ones. Yeah. Well, we've seen... In the past, that the referendums had been scrapped by Deus Um Well, they wanted to have binding referendums, so they just could scrap the yeah. advisory referendum. So in theory, they yeah. they didn't really throw threw away their their crown jewel. But you're, you're threading a needle there, man. Yes, but uh, elected mayors is also part of them, and they really want to have that. And scrapping in the in the constitution, the only thing that says about mayors that is that they are appointed by the king yeah. and if you scrap that then the road is open to to have elected mayors yeah so will his proposal pass the Erstekammer? it looks like it will um as i've said two-thirds majority is needed and thus every vote counts yeah uh, in the tweede kamer all the coalition parties supported the proposal and only the sgp was against it but in the senate you never know what you get because you know as mayors these members are very often uh, the senators they're senators yeah and they are um, much more independent much more independent than uh, than regular mps are um but this time yet will probably have the support of uh, cda pvv sp groenlinks christenunie partij voor de dieren 50 plus and osf which are the independent uh, senators so yeah he has a lot of uh, a lot of support only the pvda and the SGP are fully against it, and VVD senators have a mixed opinion. They are sort of split into half. Um, and next week, the proposal will be put up for a vote in the Senate, but uh, yeah, the expectations are that uh, it will be accepted. Yeah. yeah. So this doesn't mean elected mayors, that we said, but it is does seem to sort of like be his his goal, right? Like the ultimate yeah, end goal is Yeah, his ultimate end goal, yeah. Because um, Kasia Olongen, the interior minister, she specifically mentioned that um, it will basically not change anything fundamentally, yeah. only that it will not be the king who officially puts some someone into the seat of a mayor. It's interesting because, so I've, I've been here long enough to have seen a political coalition governing process when you had the queen as an informator and then when you didn't, although later it was a king, yeah. not, not a queen. <laughs> um, but yeah, they changed this sort of uh, norm that you had the royalty kind of involved in the coalition governing process. And I think there was a lot of pushback, especially the last round that said like, this actually may have been better if we had had sort of this kind of neutral party being involved in this like coalition building process, which I thought was kind of like an interesting discussion about like how the king or the queen is sort of seen as this, you know, benign person who is interested in the best thing for the country and is seen as very apolitical and that kinds of stuff. So I kind of wonder like, 
whether or not there is some value in having. Yeah, and mayors are regarded in in in, in a similar way. Right. And uh, as you said, they change the the. Um, they changed the system. It used to be the case that after elections, it was the queen who invited all the uh, party leaders to the palace and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, asked them, how do you feel uh, about forming a coalition with them? And then, then she basically streamlined the process. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, this task is uh, is given to the like chair a, of the Tweede Kamer, yeah. which is also a person who is regarded as apolitical. Yeah, like an elder states like person. Elder states person, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, apparently we in the Netherlands, we, we like to have these impartial, independent people. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So even this, though technically speaking, a mayor is is a member of a political is a party, member of a political party. And the chairwoman or the chairperson, uh, they are also a member of yeah. a political party. So if you want to have a fully impartial by, uh, person, then you have to stick with the queen yeah. or the king because yeah. constitutionally, this person does not have an opinion. Right. Do you know? I don't know offhand what the political affiliation is of the mayor in Delft. Do you? Yes, I know Sheria. I know oh, okay. that because she was a former minister. Oh, okay. But that's yeah. the only reason why I know it. Yeah, because you never hear anything about her. Well, she closed membership. down uh, several um, several uh, coffee shops. Yeah, but in response to a shooting, and they're yeah. back open now. I mean, yeah. I don't know that that's. I don't know that I would have seen that as like a political move necessarily. Oh no 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 no! Because that has to do deal with the tasks of a of a mayor. Of yeah. Course. Yeah. What are those tasks? It's kind of it's kind of a weird job description. It's I a think. weird job description. Yeah. A common misconception is that the mayor is the head of the municipality. That's not true. The constitution specifically says that the city council is the head of the municipality because, after all, this is a democratically elected body. Right. Um, the mayor, together with the aldermen, form the executive body of the municipality. So it's much like the cabinet and the prime minister they are also not elected right. but you know they they act based on how the political um uh, 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 how the political parties are uh, formed in 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 the city council or in the Tweede Kamer. The mayor is also the chair of the city council, so in a way he or she has some influence over the council because yeah, he's the chairperson. Even though the mayor does not have a vote in the council, uh, mayors are also uh, responsible for safety and public order, and they have quite a lot of authority based on this. Very often you hear that, uh, for example, a demonstration is cancelled or, or yeah, as we mentioned a just now, shop coffee shops are closed by the mayor's order, and that can only be done when the safety of the general public is at stake yeah not just because you think that they have ugly branding or something no no not at all and uh, the mayor is also the commander of chief of the fire brigade this is i think really funny have you ever hear, heard of the triangle no and uh, that's what they call every municipality has a uh, police a fire brigade and the mayor yeah and uh, these three they form the triangle and they are in charge of the Public, public safety, safety. Uh, and uh, they, they meet weekly I think mm. and when there is an incident or an accident or some something else interesting uh, yeah, some some emergency they meet again it just seems interesting to me that you would be the commander-in-chief of the fire brigade when you like I'm sure know nothing about fighting fires right like, yeah but this is kind of a funny job I mean she acts of course based on yeah, what the fire brigade is telling her of to course do, she, I mean yeah. Yes, I'm sure it's all reasonable and good. It's yeah, just it's yeah, kind of it's funny. It's just weird, yeah. But it's not a political job, no. in mayor. But or is it? Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting discussion because you know I feel like you can't separate. You know, she is like you said. We'll take the mayor of Delft as an example. Like she's a, a CDA minister, so she is a Christian Democrat. That probably gives us some indication as to her personal Being, beliefs about yeah. things. You can't just you, you know human beings just can't become objective and impartial just because the job is supposed to be objective and impartial. So I'm sure that that like clouds her worldview to some degree. On the other hand, I mean, as someone who's pretty vocally atheistic, I 
until this moment was unaware of what her party affiliation was and I think she generally does a good job in Delft and doesn't seem to me to be overly concerned with her political affiliations and like making her decisions so I don't know it's kind of interesting and uh, yeah mayors as we said need to be independent and impartial or do they yeah I don't know what do you think I think it's, um, I think mayors, if you become a mayor in the Netherlands, you know that you are supposed to be impartial and independent and uh, you can, you can throw away all your political baggage and all everything, yeah. uh, all the political relations you yeah. have and all the dynamics, you can just throw it away and you can say, I'm the mayor, so I don't have to care about yeah. politics. And I think that's, that happens most of the time yeah. uh, when, when a person or a cha- when you become a chairwoman of, of the Tweede Kamer, you immediately become this independent figure. And I think think these people they they feel they have to be so yeah. they will they will become an, an independent person and they will act in the best interest of whichever institution they are uh, representing yeah no i think you're, i think that's accurate I, I i get the impression at least that when people are put into these quote-unquote independent positions here in the netherlands at least that they seem to take this impartiality very seriously it just does seem weird to not elect your mayor though right and also like you know they're not necessarily someone from the community i mean they're kind of just like you know they could be a person you know like i have no idea where the mayor of delft is from but i you know when i was interviewing the mayor of breda like he had been working you know in enskede or somewhere else for a while and like he's not yeah you have to live in the municipality one year after you are appointed you have to move to the municipality yeah you have to move there but you don't have to be Uh, but you don't have to to be be from from there so had they tried to do this before? Like, I mean, they were founded in 1966. <laughs> you think they would have given this a shot beforehand? Yeah. Well, they did in 2005. Uh, they tried to have mayors uh, directly elected, but their proposal stranded in the Eerste Kamer when BVDA Senator Ed van Tijn voted no. This incident is uh, known as uh, the Nacht van Tijn. Yeah. Um, and after this, uh, leader, then D66 leader Tom de Graaf stepped down and he made way for Alexander Pechtold. But there are some pros and cons of uh, elected mayors. Um, well, yeah, what do they argue sort of in favor of people who are in favor of directly electing mayors? Well, they say that uh, if you directly elect your mayor, the, this person has a democratic mandate and also some sort of legitimacy. Uh, citizens of a municipality elect their mayor and he or she enjoys some sort of public support because, well, the people of this municipality has voted for him or her but again you also you'll always will have a certain amount of people that did not vote for this person yeah. so yeah they will not be happy with uh, with with that candidate i assume also i would find it interesting i mean also with the proposal about electing the prime minister because there's so many political parties here there's no way i mean what are you going to do like take the i guess the person who gets the most the biggest block of votes but very Probably. often i mean that's like 20 percent of the electorate yeah. it means 80 percent of the people in the city didn't vote for you yeah or you can have a second round or yeah. something but yeah that's uh, there are also some downsides uh, attached to that um, i think what's most important is that we need some more transparency and this political randomness yeah. uh, so, uh, because yeah we just don't know what happens when, yeah. when this this mayor is is appointed um and uh, yeah some say that elections will increase the mayor's position and independence but i don't really believe that yeah, to no, be no. honest and it's an interesting discussion i'm not mm. sure i have a feel i mean it was funny when you were said we we're going to talk about this this week you were like i'm sure you have strong opinions because usually i have extremely strong opinions but on this i feel very swayed you have, uh, you have swifted from, i have uh, i've really yeah. like I, I i'm very sympathetic to like yeah. both sides of the argument yeah. well the problem is that um mayors do not have very much legal authorities right. or political tasks so if you elect this person then this person will probably say i'm gonna change this i'm gonna change that but that they can't do they, any they can't do stuff. anything 
something of yeah. that. So yeah, the problem is that then you have elected a mayor that cannot do anything, but he is based on the promises of doing, doing something stuff. which he cannot yeah. do. But on the other hand, um, in in this in the city council elections, uh, you you very often have that as well. For example, form for democracy in Amsterdam, they promise to have. Um, the new mayor of Amsterdam elected, even though the, the city council of Amsterdam does not have any authority to decide over this. So you always have yeah. uh, politicians that promise stuff that they cannot do or cannot... Yeah, but even, I mean, with the case of mayors, right, they don't even have a vote on the city council. I mean, no. it's a very sort of curtailed position in a lot of ways. So yeah. I find it hard to believe that you would want to elect the mayor and then not, like, restructure the role to have, like, a bit more... Yeah, power. and that would mean that you would uh, have to take away some sort of power from the older men yeah. who now have the power or from the city council. So right. yeah, you're going to have to restructure the entire political system on that local level. And uh, there's also a risk that an elected mayor and a city council cannot cooperate well due to political difficulties. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, the mayor is elected, so he has to be political right. and he cannot be impartial and he cannot be independent and yeah. uh, so yeah I don't know. Maybe might this create is... a lot of problems with that yeah maybe this is just one of these situations where like if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of things like yeah. it doesn't seem to me like it's a system with a problem on the other hand it does seem really strange that this person is just like appointed by a random group of people and we have no idea well, what they're, they're not random they are city councillors yeah but they're not like there's not like a a, a clearer like a, there's not a transparent appointment process like you yeah. said right so it just it seems very crazy to me that this person is supposed to be the like like symbolic leader of a city and has no emotional connection to that city for the most part and is being picked by a process that does not seem very transparent. See, now I'm talking myself into the other side. It's, yeah. I don't, I, it, for once we have found a topic that I, um, yeah. I don't feel like I have the defining opinion and that everyone else is wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and with elections, you always have the 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 danger of electing a uh, incapable or a populist uh, person. Yeah. For example, you can yeah. I mean, could you imagine, imagine in that Delft, Emil Ratelband is elected as the mayor of Delft or the mustache guy or the mustache guy? Yeah, oh, no. because he's a local celebrity. No, yeah, we can't have elected mayors. I I've, I've, <laughs> I've come to the conclusion. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now in in our system now the interior. Uh, office and uh, and the king and the commissaris from the Koning, they can distribute mayors uh, according to, I don't know, uh, if we have a PvdA mayor here, then we don't do a PvdA mayor in the municipality next door, for example, so you can spread it equally. Yeah. But is that something you, you would want to have uh, unelected? Uh -huh. There's a lot of questions here, I think. Yeah, yeah. A lot more questions than answers. More questions than answers. Well, I, 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 I'm I, from the party that says, if it ain't broken, don't, don't fix, fix it. Don't fix it. Yeah. And I'm happy with the system now. I never had a mayor where I was disappointed with. Or yeah. Yeah, I but I wonder the if system you, was broken. Yeah, I wonder I, if you lived in a place that had a like a terrible mayor, if you would feel differently about the subject. Yeah, but there aren't that many terrible, terrible mayors. mayors. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's a good topic. This is a good topic. <laughs> no, so we don't have the final answer for this question. No, we really don't. Well, I'm I curious have, to hear yeah. what the readers think. If they, uh, if you guys have strong opinions about uh, whether or not we should elect mayors, yeah. just send us an email. Yeah. Drop I think us a, a lot line of people will be in favor of this because they don't know any other system yeah. because we're from the country where they came from uh, yeah, these mayors are elected. Perhaps How... your points have swayed them. Yeah, that, that could be the case. Yeah, that's true. But... Please let us know if your points have swayed Paul, but don't tell Paul because it'll only make <laughs> Paul's ego bigger and I can't deal with that. <laughs> well, I think that's uh, all we have uh, for you this week. This uh, podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can now send comments, compliments and abuse by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. If you want to help us out, you can subscribe to our feed, give the podcast a rating and share it. 
This week's episode has been sponsored by Coach. And if you want to find uh, out more about them, they have a website and a podcast at koach.net. My thanks to uh, Molly Quell. Only Molly Quell, not to Gordon. You can thank Truby. He's been here the whole time. My thanks also to Truby. And uh, I'm Paul Peters and we'll be back next week. (music) Thank <music> you.